0: In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. Bradyware is sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to your favorite podcast aggregator and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. Today's topic is should I become a a servant leader? And we'll get into definitions in, in, in a moment, but you know, as we record this on July thirty first, which means it'll probably show up sometime around Labor Day, if our if our current um, publishing schedule holds. Um, I, I think we're being confronted right now with the notion of servant leadership every day, and and I'm I don't want to make this a political discussion. In fact, it's not going to be a political discussion if I have anything to say about it. Um, but 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 nevertheless, we're being confronted right now with, uh, in particular, in the private sector. So, what is the role of the company in in society? And you know, the, the notion of shareholder primacy in the in the company, the thesis of why a company should exist, meaning that companies exist to provide return for shareholders, financial return to shareholders full stop, period, end of discussion is, is now, I think, being widely challenged. And, and, and there's, been a, there's been a challenge to it, I think, that's been bubbling up the last 10 years as millennials come of age and start to become um, not only uh, highly sought-after employees and contributors to companies and organizations, but now are becoming executives and owners of, of organizations. And by the way, if you want to feel old have the kid of one of your friends asked to connect with you on LinkedIn. Um I don't think anything has made me feel older. And I turned 50 a couple months ago. That that was not as devastating as, as a the kid of one of my one of my peers uh connected with me on LinkedIn. Not 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 Facebook, not Instagram, but on LinkedIn. That was that was jarring. But at any rate, um the 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 this the the notion of what leadership is right now i think is being redefined in 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 real time or at least is being reexamined on a society and a, an economy wide level in real time now does that mean that everybody's going to change no i don't think so does that mean i think the, uh, our entire society is going to be going to be upended and we're going to move from whatever whatever dominant leadership style we think we have i think it's actually fragmented but whatever leadership style you think Prevails in society is that going to be converted wholesale into something else? No, I don't. But I do think what's happening is that alternative leadership approaches are necessarily being given a second look for no other reason because, with with the exception of close family and friends, this is this is assuming that that you're in the camp that that thinks that social distancing is is important. And again, not if it's not important to you. you know, okay, but be safe. Um, but for those of us for whom it, it is important, it means that almost every relationship we have, especially business relationship, has been disrupted. It is it is harder to sell. It is harder to hire, to recruit, to train, to motivate, to inspire. Um, and and the one thing that I think we know for certain is that what what worked and what we were comfortable with on January 31st 2020 is not going to be the same thing that we're going to be we need to be comfortable with and effective on July 31st 2020 um and and so that's why I think this topic is is of particular of particular interest and is timely right today and joining us today is is a person that I think is a terrific example of a servant leader and and as a person who's going to tell you through his own story, wasn't didn't necessarily come out of the shoot as as a servant leader. That that there's, a, there's an origin story there that I think I think we're gonna we're all gonna benefit from because if if we didn't consider ourselves servant leaders, or maybe even we're not even, we're not even familiar with the term until very recently, um, uh, it's not too late to become that. If if that resonates with the kind of leader that you want to be and you need to be given the new environment that may or may not return to uh, what we enjoyed, again, about a half a year ago. So joining us today is Mark Bachman, who is partner at McCracken Alliance Partners, and, and they're focused on providing financial leadership services, including full-time or interim CFOs, as well as experienced professionals to lead critical strategic initiatives or transactions. Uh, MAP is comprised of experienced public and private company CFOs whose skills and knowledge can create immediate value. Additionally, some of the partners are experienced executive coaches providing relevant, actionable counsel to existing chief financial officers. Uh, Mark has a broad business background, including both division president and CFO of, of a public company. He's currently, as I said, a partner with McCracken Alliance Partners, and he's also an executive coach to chief financial officers to help them accelerate their performance, Mark demonstrates strong business acumen with solid conceptual and analytical thinking to lead enterprise-critical initiatives. He is a highly effective, trusted advisor in working with CEOs, boards, senior management teams, and strategic partners with a collaborative and participatory management style, calm and stable influence, and sharp focus on value creation and organizational integrity. Mark is currently serving on the board of trustees, treasurer, and on the development and endowment committees of his religious institution. He serves on the operating committee and is the immediate past president of CEO NetWeavers, of which I'm a member and how we know each other, a not-for-profit professional organization in Atlanta, as well as on the Leadership Council for Junior Achievement of Atlanta. Mark earned his Bachelor of Science degree in accounting from the University of Illinois and his MBA from Northwestern University. Mark, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Mike. Uh, you did a nice job there. I, I appreciate it.
0: Thanks. Well, I, I I hope I got the right bio because otherwise we'll have to record this again. Um, I, I, you know, given given the accounting industry, I'd be remiss. You you don't want a job as a tax accountant
1: right now, do you? I did that for one busy season, and that was enough many years ago.
0: <laughs> that that that's enough for a lot of people. I thank I thank goodness that I am not an accountant, even though I work for an accounting firm, but. You know, seeing seeing how people went through go through busy season and then this year where it basically got dragged out through July, um, uh, they are better people than I am. I'll just leave it at that.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't even do my own taxes anymore. So there,
0: there you go. And ne- and neither do I. Um, it's why I'm not in jail. So, um, Mark, let's let's start with a basic definition because I don't think everybody necessarily knows what the term servant leadership means. Um, how would you define it?
1: Well, so um, I think the phrase servant leadership probably goes back to um, the early 1970s when a gentleman by the name of Robert Greenleaf wrote an essay entitled The Servant is Leader. Um, I think he goes on to say that, you know, it's a philosophy and a set of practices that enriches the lives of individuals and builds better organizations. Um, but it's really the focus that the servant leader is servant first, um, and they want to serve um, uh, and serve first, and that's sharply different than a leader who considers them a you know a leader first. Uh, perhaps maybe a need to you know uh, meet a, a a power driver to acquire material possessions. Um, you know, I've also it's not quite the same, but I've also sort of thought of it as being similar as paying it forward. I mean, where. You know, you're doing good for someone else without the expectation of anything in return.
0: So how would you characterize servant leadership in, in, in contrast to, to other kinds of leadership? And that's, that's a semi-unfair question, but, it, you know, assuming you even can put names in other kinds of leadership, you know, how, does it, how does it differ
1: well, I mean, as you said there, Mike, there are a lot of different styles of, of, of leadership, whether, you're, you know, someone might be considered an autocratic type of, of, of leader. And we can think of people like that or, you know, authoritarian um, in, in their, their approach. Um, but I think, you know, it it depends sort of on how you think about sharing of power and how decisions are made and, whether you're thinking yourself of being that leader first or, or servant first, um, you know, it's sort of the, I think the servant leader, sh- leader shares power and puts the needs of others first and helps people develop and perform as, as, highly as possible, as opposed to maybe other forms of, of leadership where, you know, you're thinking you're the most important person in the room um, and, and, and you're driven by that power, that, that ego.
0: And and why is servant leadership effective? Um, you know why why is that mentality of 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 kind of working outside in, if you will, if you think of an egocentric um, thought process? Why, why or what what are the benefits of that kind of approach?
1: Well, I mean, I, I I think some would say that you're getting greater engagement of the people who are in your organization whether it's a for-profit or non-for-profit, that if you're thinking of them first and trying to serve them first, that you're, 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 you're getting a greater engagement. You're getting then, you know, greater creativity, enthusiasm. Um, You know, you probably are going to end up with lower turnover and so the, the thought is if you have an engaged group as opposed to, um, you know, maybe a style where you're telling and dictating what shall be done and not giving a lot of um, leeway for ideas or voices to be heard, you know, I, you know diff- once again, I think different situations also call for different leadership. I don't necessarily think that, you know, one style is necessarily right for all situations either.
0: Uh, you know that, that that that's an interesting point um i got to think about it. that's a very thought provoking comment but i th- i think you're right that that servant leadership may not necessarily be be optimal in in every situation
1: um, well, well well think about it th- this way i mean you know would you say that the military is a servant leadership organization
0: uh, I would say only partially, and I, I say that because one of my favorite leadership books is a book called It's Your Ship, um, by a former Navy captain named Michael Abramoff. And, and I thought that there is insta- I thought there were instances of servant leadership in terms of, in terms of team building and loyalty and unit cohesion. Um, but I think I see where you're getting at in a combat scenario. Um, uh, you know, you can only throw yourself on a grenade once. Right? And so that, it may not be practical in a combat scenario to, to embrace a servant leadership kind of mentality. Right. Um, so I, I'd like to hear your origin story. We, we've sort of chatted about it in passing, but, you know, even I don't know the details. But, but tell us about what, what led you to a servant leadership mentality.
1: Well, you know, honestly, I, I went through the majority of my career without ever hearing the word servant leadership or really knowing what it was. Um, you know, if I look back over my 35 plus years of being in, in business and primarily in large public corporations, I worked for probably over 20 different managers. Um, some were pretty good. Um, others, frankly, were pretty bad. Um, through that, I developed my own leadership style, um, probably more closely aligned with what might be referred to as a democratic style. I frequently ask, you know, people, "What do you think?" and seek people's opinions before, you know, reaching, a, you know, a, a final decision. Um, you know, and and I enjoyed as I went up through the ranks the increased responsibility. But honestly, I don't think I was personally driven by power or ego. I was just trying to do what was best for the organization. Um, And as I became a manager of people, I wanted to help them become the best they could be. Um, I was interested in their development and providing feedback and mentoring them as they progressed and, you know, what were their goals and how could I help achieve them? And, you know, honestly, I would have conversations with people and if they wanted to pursue and sort of leave my group and go to another part of the organization or even leave the organization, I would say, fine help you know helping them be their best if you will so that was sort of always at the at the core of of sort of what I thought was right um but it's really been since I've retired um from a full-time position that I've increased my focus and frankly became aware of servant leadership um I really felt blessed um to achieved both the personal and professional success and accomplishments that I wanted to give back I mean really help others um I found this organization that you, you mentioned that we're both members of, CEO NetWeavers. Um, and um, you know, for our, our listeners, it's a group of current and former CEOs along with a select group of trusted advisors and C-suite executives. And the organization is based on the principles of servant leadership, and we provide service to our members by trying to help them achieve their goals and aspirations, as well as serving the community through a few of the outreach programs. And so, you know, as I got to know this organization and and we both know Jim Dupree and I want to thank him, he's one of the founders of the group and he encouraged me to get involved. And so I first got, um, you know, in, in, involved by, part, you know, leading the mentoring program there. And then he asked if I would become treasurer. And so I became treasurer and then I had the privilege of last year being its president and now I lead the governance nominating committee. So, you know, I really saw that as a as a great vehicle to be with other um, like minded professionals who really want to give and really not having an expectation of of anything in return. And um, so, you know, uh, really, that was my introduction to servant leadership and really has uh, been very rewarding.
0: Well, and you mentioned c o netweavers. I, I don't mind giving giving them a shameless plug um, it is It is the only civic organization to which I belong um, and there's good reason for it that you you learn so much there and and there is a there is a a, a camaraderie and and the agenda of every meeting is how can we help somebody else in some, some form or another? Um, and, you know, if you're into that, you know, there's, we also have a chapter in, uh, in Houston. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it is a terrific organization. That's a focus for that. And, you know, hopefully over time, there'll, there'll be more of them because it is such a great focus, not just to exercise servant leadership, but how to become better, better at it. Um, so let me, you know, you mentioned you came to servant leadership kind of, kind of as you retire. But let's let's take a listener that is not retired. Let's take a listener that's that's in the middle of their career is doing what they're doing. It, you know, a, a cynic would a cynic might say, well, you can't afford to be a servant leadership. You got to grab what you can when you can, um, because once once that opportunity is over, it's it's over. And, and my, my question to you is, in, in your experience, you know, for somebody that is, again, at that stage of their career, are they, are they potentially giving something up in, in, in exchange for uh, adopting a servant leadership mentality, maybe just because they feel it's spiritually rewarding or just makes their life feel more purposeful, whatever it is, or is that a false choice?
1: Well, you know, I'm not sure that it's a false choice and, and that you're giving things up. I mean, I think, you know, once again, it's it's how are you choosing to lead and and whose interests are you motivated by? Um, and while trying to, you know, and, and, you, and your lead in, and I'm sure we'll probably get to it around shareholder value and the role of the corporation. I mean, you know, in in business, um, you know, you have a set of objectives. The organization has a set of objectives and there's many ways. And how do you try to align people to accomplish those objectives? And I think, you know, servant leadership is just trying to put put, you know, at, you know, shift the power, shift the focus uh, a little bit on how you try to execute. Um and so, you know, if people are unable to, um, you know, drive success through that, or feel like they they have to have a more command and control to in, to ensure success, they'll fight with, you know, letting go a bit and 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 shifting the, the focus. I'm sure, but I don't know that it's necessarily a a a a, a, a trade off for everyone.
0: Well let's you know, I, I did want to cover exactly that question as to whether as as how servant leadership and shareholder value creation, whether they can coexist and if so, what what does that look like? So, you know, you're you're a finance guy, you're a guy that is used to making hard nosed decisions, you've been in a leadership role in a public company. I'm sure you've been you've you've had your compensation tied very clearly to stock performance um so i think you're in a great position to offer an informed point of view on this you know can servant leadership and a a
1: shareholder value mentality coexist oh absolutely absolutely i mean it i mean being a servant leader doesn't mean you don't care about creating shareholder value um you know, last year, I think it was the Business Roundtable announced a new statement of what the purpose of a corporation was. And, you know, previously it was solely to maximize um, shareholder value. But, you know, I think they got over 150 or 70 um, CEOs who committed to lead their companies for the benefit of all stakeholders. And so they, include customers, employees, suppliers, communities, and shareholders. And um, you know, so there's clearly and they had a, a section I was reading about the employee where, you know, they're talking about investing in our employees and they say it starts with compensating them fairly and providing them important benefits. It also includes supporting them through training and education so they develop new skills and and that they foster diversity, inclusion, dignity and respect. Now um you know, when I take it to my own perspective, having to make those trade-offs, I, I learned an incredibly valuable lesson when I was the division president of Zepps Retail Business. Um, we had a huge um, opportunity to launch a whole new product line at Walmart, and we had forty days to do it. And as a result, I pushed the organization really hard. I placed so much focus on the customer that I lost sight of the employee. You know, you got, you're talking about the largest retailer in the world. You have this opportunity and you have 40 days to get it done. Um, You know, as a result, our, our employees um, launched a union organizing campaign. Hmm. Um, And, and, and so I, I, I invested a considerable amount of time to listen to our employees concerns and, and was able to build trust with them that, you know, they, they thought I would have learned from this and, and would address it. And so we ended up defeating the union two to one, which was, you know, fabulous. And I made a lot of changes. And ever since I consciously need, you know, have balanced the need of multiple stakeholders that, you know, being skewed towards the customer or the shareholder at the expense of the employee, what wasn't the right formula for, for success. And I guess the last thing I'd say, Mike, is I know that there have been studies out there that have shown a positive correlation between employee engagement and shareholder returns. And, you know, that, you know, when you had engaged employees, you'll improve retention, thereby reducing turnover and you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you have a whole bunch. An organization has a whole bunch of 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 uh, servant leaders, um, you know, in there. But they're clearly, if you have an engaged workforce, you know, if you think about you know these surveys like great places to work or whatever, I, I'm sure there's a much greater understanding of the needs of the employees um, than just the shareholders.
0: You know, I wonder if that scenario that you described matches up with, um, one of the concepts in the seven habits of highly effective people, where there's this notion of, in effect, an an emotional bank account, right? You have a, you have a particular goal where in order to accomplish a goal in in your case in 40 days, you know, you just have to go into a flat out sprint. If your knees hurt, you're out of breath, your feet hurt too bad. You just, you just got to figure it out. Um, failure is, is, is really, if if it's a non-op, if not a non-option, it's certainly a bad option. You know, if, 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 if there'd been some, maybe some sort of capital in the emotional bank account before that, right. Then, then maybe, maybe driving for that sprint then becomes a little bit easier. Right. So it's not just about, it's, it's, it's not just about, kind of doing the right thing in the moment, but also I think it's all, it's, it's, it's building capital where, you know, you're, you're kind of the first to give so that when you're, when you're asking somebody to give in return, they have a sense that it's a, it's a relationship with some semblance of equity to it.
1: Yeah. No, I I absolutely believe that you need to build, you know, goodwill, you know, you need to have uh, as a as a leader, you need to have um, emotional intelligence, EQ, as well as IQ, in terms of, of being able to um, motivate your your workforce, understand what what their their needs are, so that you know in in these times, you know you could you you could um um you know tap on them, ask them to go you know sort of all out. So uh, as you
0: decided that you wanted to embrace servant leadership what were there any new skills that you felt like you had to either acquire or develop further in order to be effective in that kind of mode um
1: well i mean i i, I think i'm not sure that there are new new skills per se but i it you know, if I think about some of the key skills that are important in servant leadership, so you might then tune them up or, you know, continue to be more aware. I mean, you really, you know, first and foremost, it's all about listening. You know, you really need to understand that you're going to understand what the needs of others are. What are they truly saying? What are they truly needing? Um, in that, um, I think also, you know, a healthy, um, understanding of yourself, self-awareness, you know, to really understand how you, um, are, are managing your emotions, your behaviors, and, and how what you do might impact others. Um, and then, you know, having a commitment that you want to help other people grow and, 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 and develop, um, I think those are all all sort of Im, important and and you know sort of checking in you know on on your ability to persuade rather than you know sort of using authority to get that and you know I, I will tell you um, that's been a really um, key learning uh, for me working in in nonprofit and volunteer organizations right. Um, you know, I'm the operating committee of, of CEO net waivers um, or I'm on my uh, synagogue board. Um, You know, I don't necessarily have the authority, um, but I need to encourage people and I'm trying to sell an idea or whatever and, and having other people, you know, follow, you know, it's, you know, leadership is also creating followership. Right. And so having you know um uh, aspiring to those people's interests and and uh inclinations so so
0: um i i'd like to share with you at least a couple a of, couple of things i think i've had to develop um to become a more effective servant leader and one of those two things is 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 proactivity uh, I think a lot of leadership and even your, your description of the 40 day dash and the unionization, I think is actually somewhat illustrative of this is that I think, a, I think a big, a major characteristic of servant leadership is pro, is being proactive and addressing or trying to address people's needs or wants before they're ever even articulated to you. Um, and I have a feeling anybody who's been married understands the value of this, that, that a, 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 bu- a, a bouquet of flowers before your spouse gets mad at you is, is often much more effective than a bouquet <laughs> of flowers afterwards. Right. Yes. And and I think that's, I think that's sort of human nature and, and something that I've a skill that I am not naturally good at. I tend to be a reactive person, um, but but being a react, it is I think it's very hard to be an effective servant leader if you're purely reactive because that misses so many opportunities to exhibit that kind of leadership. Right, I agree. Um, and I think the other mentality is I had to give I had to give up, um, I had to give up an external need for validation. Um, that servant leadership, I think, often is best applied when it's not noticed in a way, I kind of think I kind of think of it like being a, an umpire in a baseball game. The best umpire in a baseball game is one you don't even notice is there, but you just know that the game went well. you think the right team won the game and 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 that's it. But you never say, you know what? that guy did a really great job calling balls and strikes that day. Good on him. And I think servant leadership um, requires that and and that requires, I think, I think subverting your, your ego a little bit and and requires developing an uh, an inner source of validation where you say, you know what? You know what? I, I did good today. I, I, I don't need to have a, I don't need to have a thank you note. I don't need to have a, a trophy or anything like that. I'm just going to open a nice bottle of Cabernet at the end of the day and just, and just enjoy the fact that somebody else had a positive impact because of something that I did.
1: No, I, I, I absolutely absolutely agree with that.
0: Um, so let me let me ask this. I'm I'm curious. Uh, is there somebody that you look up to as an example of servant leadership? And and if so, what is what is it about them that makes you put them in the position of sort of serving as a good example for you?
1: Um, you know, I don't know that I have you know one example or whatever of of being a a a servant um uh leader i mean i i think you know there's been certainly um uh you know a lot of of footage and and coverage over the last couple of weeks about john lewis and you know a civil rights leader and and what he was trying to do and and he seemed to you know um he, he seemed like he was a servant leader really trying to you know meet the needs of of others than himself um but i don't know um you know when i look at you know others out there i mean I'm, i i i you know i can't say i have a role model that i'm following
0: okay well that's fair i mean you know it and you don't you don't necessarily have to i think i think in the mainstream the the concept of servant leadership is still relatively new um and i think there are lots of people that behave as servant leaders even though i don't think they would necessarily characterize themselves that way um but you know you certainly you certainly see it certainly see it kind of out there um
1: i mean i think you know and we both know uh uh i don't know if he's been on your 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 show or or not but um you know, uh, Tom Berger, who's, you know, a member of CEO net Waivers. I mean, yep. uh, talk about selflessness and, and, and just what, you know, the amount of knowledge and what he's willing to do to sh- share with people and help, um, help others. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm inspired, I'm inspired by a lot of our, our, our other members in in CEO net Waivers. Um, let me ask you this. One,
0: um, a, a, a person who's often held up as, as the archetypal servant leader is Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and, and, you know, we know who he is because he, he was effective at promoting uh, a grand cause. You could easily argue maybe the grandest, at least domestic cause in the United States in the 20th century um but you know do you have to be promoting a grand cause to be a servant leader I, I don't i don't want to put words in your mouth but as i as i observe you in the way that you carry yourself every day you know it's not obvious to me that you necessarily have a grand cause other than other than to serve um but maybe i'm wrong so I, i'd love you to tell me i'm either right or wrong and the question is you know do i have to have some grand cause some grand vision to be a servant leader or can can that mentality be effective as simply as saying i'm i'm going to i'm going to try to do what i can to make my corner of existence a little bit better one day at a time
1: yeah no i i mean i i, I don't have a grand cause um and um you know i do as I said, now I'm, I'm in the enviable position of, of largely being able to decide how I spend my time and with whom and doing what. Um, And so, but I believe servant leadership is, is, can be done on a one-on-one basis. And once again, you know, the more people you can affect in a positive way and help them, um, you know, the hope is that they will pay it forward and adopt some of those same, uh, behaviors and, and, and traits and help others. And so I th- I do think, you know, there's some merit to what, you know, Greenleaf, you know, wrote about, you know, some 50 years ago about, you know, a more just and caring, you know, world. And so, you know, you know, let's do it one at a time.
0: Um, we'll switch gears here because I, I, I think it's an important question. And that, and that is, um, I think there's a, there may be a tendency for somebody to hear about servant leadership and think that it's effectively the same thing as philanthropy. And I'd love to get your your observation on that. Is, is in fact servant leadership different from philanthropy or if, if they're not the same, are they linked? What, what view, if any, do you have in the relationship between those two kind of conceptual frameworks?
1: Well, well, you know, most often when I think of philanthropy, I think about, you know, the big donors who are giving money to the various causes out there um, and so forth. Um, And, you know, I guess you could also say that there's, you know, giving of one's time is philanthropic as well. But I think largely it's thought about as, as money. So but if you. If you include time or volunteering and then you say, well, OK, then I, th- I think there are some crossover or some some things that, you know, cross over into being a servant leader because you truly are serving and and giving or helping others. Um, but I, but, you know, I, I don't think of servant leadership as uh, of giving money.
0: Now, now you and I are both, as as we've talked about, we're in a, we're in a group that, that promotes and, um, for lack of a better term, I think in a way, aggregates servant leadership. You know, what are, and, and there are others like that, you know, Knights of Columbus and Kiwanis and even to an extent, Rotary Club, things of that nature. Um, what do you think is the benefit of, of creating groups that are, that are servant leaders as opposed to, you know, individuals kind of going it alone?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think first of all, there there's, you know, it's nice when you're with other like-minded, uh, uh, people. And I think that you learn from each other. I think there's inspiration that is, is, is shared, absorbed, uh, when, when you hear stories and see actions that, you know, it, 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 you know yeah question okay can I up my game what else can I do um, how can I be be better and then I think it also sort of channels our you know energies or focus um, you know for some some of the initiatives so um you know we as, as you're aware but but the organization has a initiative called inflection point where we're pulling a group of of executives together to create an advisory board for a CEO on a short-term basis well you're getting four or five people together to help that organization as opposed to just one-on-one and so and and there's so much learning in one of those sessions and I know you've been uh you know you you led it for a while as well so um but I think there's just so much that um you you take away as well as you give in in those sessions. So, you know, I think that's the benefit of being in a group.
0: And, and we're we're talking to Mark Bachman uh, on the discussion of becoming a servant leader or the decision of whether to become a servant leader. And and do you do you ever th- kind of think about or wonder? About how do you how do you measure or how do you know that you're being effective? I mean, do you, do you just sort of have a gut instinct? Is there anything that you you monitor? I mean, again, I know you're a finance, you're, you're a quantitative kind of guy. <laughs> have you ever given any thought to kind of measuring your effectiveness as a as a servant leader? And if so, you know what what might your your key performance indicators or KPIs look like?
1: Yeah, um, great question, and 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 I ha- I haven't um, uh, really gone to to measure it other than you know sort of and and you mentioned this uh, earlier about um, where you can get the self-validation because you don't necessarily get it externally, um, but you know how do you feel after you've you know worked with someone or help someone um, out? So it's it's a lot of that you know um, you know, self-reflection and, 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 and feeling is how I've done it. Um, you know, you do get some positive accolades from time to time. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, when, you know, when I look back and, and, um, you know, the, um, uh, mentoring program that we have at, at, uh, with, uh, uh, Kennesaw State University in, in particular, um, I had a student a couple of years ago who um we still stay in contact with and and to me, that's a validation that I've really helped him, that he's he's been wanting and willing to continue. I'm not you know, he's reaching out to me and, and we built a nice relationship as a re, as as a result of that. So I know i'm I've done some good and help um in in that regard.
0: So, um, we're running up against our, our, our time limit, but I'm going to, I'm going to squeeze a couple more, more questions in. And, and one of those kind of parting shots I want to get your thoughts on is how has servant leadership changed, if at all, in this current coronavirus, massive social upheaval slash murder hornets environment? How, how does it? has it limited your ability to express it? Has it enhanced it? Has it put it on hold, expose, expose the need? How is it, how has this environment kind of reframed your relationship with a servant leadership posture, if any?
1: Well, I I mean, um, there's certainly a, a growing need um, for, um, for that. Um, I think that, you know, in a, in a, in a crisis um, you know, depending on how severe and what the circumstances are, I mean, some people may, you know, sort of gravitate back to whatever their natural tendencies are and and you know if they were a servant later before, they'll likely still, you know, think that way first. Um but um you know I think there's clearly people who are who are in need and and so you know, to the extent that some people have time and I've had some time. So I've been able to do some things with some folks, um, you know, not face-to-face, but, you know, through Zoom and through other means um, to try to help them, you know, get through or or counsel, you know, counsel them.
0: Mark, this has been a great discussion. And um, as is often the case with these interviews, I I learn a ton, which is what makes – makes them so rewarding. I'm sure our, our listeners, at least some of our listeners have questions about, about servant leadership and and what it might mean in their particular situation or circumstances. Would you be willing to entertain a question from them if they wanted to contact you? And, and if so, what would be the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, they certainly, um, uh, can reach out to me, uh, through LinkedIn is, is is fine. And I have contact information out there is probably the, 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 the best way to do it. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly willing to have a, a conversation with them and, and um, you know, there's, you know, if, if you really want to D de- de- uh, dive deeply into servant leadership, you know, there is that, there is an organization called the Greenleaf center for servant leadership um, that they could also, um, you know, follow up with.
0: Very good. That's going to wrap it up for today's program. Uh, I'd like to thank Mark Bachman so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next executive decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.